This podcast is presented to you by High Desert Word Center in Barstow, California. For more information, visit hdwc.org. Pastor Todd on what to do when faith seems weak and victory lost last Sunday night, which was absolutely excellent. And if you didn't hear that, you need to pick it up on the website and, and listen to that. It was excellent. But then a few months ago, I taught on this subject as well, what to do when faith seems weak and victory lost. And so I, I was up tonight, you know, here I am. And so I said, Lord, what am I going to, you know, you know, what am I going to teach on? You know, and he says, what to do when faith seems weak and victory lost. And I give him this, you know, I'm talking back to God. Well, God, you know, Patrick taught on that last week and I taught on it a couple months ago. And I'm getting absolutely nothing. You know, he's not giving me diddly squat. So I said, okay, Lord, what do you want me to teach on? You know, what to do when faith seems weak and victory lost. I said, okay, I got it. So I sat down at my computer and this stuff just rolls, you know, so I'm, so I'm going along with what he had to do. I need a pen because every once in a while I need to write something as I'm up here. And since I'm not you, thank you. Well, here, no, you, can, you need that one. I'll use this one. Okay. So first of all, I want to explain to you this little form thing. I'm going to I'm going to teach the word to you tonight, but some of this you need to fill in now and some of it don't even touch until you get home and you can pray about it. So the title of what I handed out to you is what to do when my faith seems weak and my victory lost. And then it says turning my get the, the sad faced guy who's praying into, wow, you know, God came through that that guy. And so open it up, and uh, this is for your eyes only. This isn't for your wife's eyes, your husband's eyes, your kid's eyes. This is your stuff. This is between you and God's stuff. And so, you know, you can write your name in it if you want to and put today's date. You know, a lot of times it's important to put a date on stuff when you're doing spiritual things because uh, you look back at stuff and you'll think, wow, the Lord was talking to me at this time to, to doing doing this. Um, pastor has a habit of when he reads a book or something like that, he will write in at the date that he like specifically beside like a certain paragraph or something. He'll write the date and he'll write where he was when he read it. And it's very funny because like sometimes a year later, he'll be reading the same book and it'll be the exact same date that he read it like a year ago. And he writes the date in it and he writes where it was, you know, I think that's kind of interesting. And he does that sometimes with his, uh, with his Bible, too. But it's important for you to date things because it's important for you to be able to look back and see what was going on in your life when the Lord spoke thus and so to you. Because as we as, as Christians, we're maturing in the Lord or we should be maturing in the Lord constantly. Now, some people don't do that. Sunday morning, I'm, I'm teaching again, and the title of that sermon is going to be Failure to thrive. Because I see so many Christians that are failing to thrive. They're not thriving as believers at all. They're falling by the wayside. So that's my sermon Sunday morning. So you don't want to miss that one either because it's going to be a good one. But I want us, as as we are going over this, see in, the, see in your little form here it says verses. So when I'm going over my lesson, you write in the verses over here. Now, on this first page that I've given to you, it says, examine my motives, you know, and I want you to pick one topic. What what are you believing God for right now? That seems like, oh, it's not happening. It's not happening. You know, there's one there should be. I mean, there may be several, but there should be at least one that you can grab and say, Lord, I've been believing for this. 
It's not coming about. What am I going to do? My faith is weak. It seems like I've lost the victory in this area. It doesn't seem like, Lord, you're going to do anything about this. And so um, we're going to go through this lesson here. And I believe that you're going to find some answers about yourself. And because of the answers you're going to find about yourself, you're going to find out why your faith has been weak and why it seems like your victory has been lost. Okay? So uh, the first thing I've got here is, number one, examine your motives. So on, see on, this, on your little paper here, we're going to look at a couple of scriptures in a minute. I do want you to write down the verses where I've got the spot for it. But where it says my motive is, don't fill that part in. When you go home, you know, sometime, you know, when you have some time with the Lord, whatever, fill that in. So that's how this whole thing is going to work, okay, this whole little form. I just wanted to explain the form to you, okay? So let's open up with prayer, and then we're going to get some answers today. Amen. You're going to find out what the deal is, and you're going to get some answers. So I'm excited about this. Father, we come before you tonight in Jesus' name. And, Lord, we know that it's your will for us to always triumph. In Christ Jesus, Father, that you said in your word, you always want us to triumph in Christ Jesus. But, Lord, sometimes it seems like things just take too long. Things drag out. We don't get the answers we want to get. And, Father, I thank you, Lord, that you have the answers for us tonight. And we are going to get the victory by what we see tonight. And we give you the thanksgiving and the praise for it in Jesus' name. Amen. So, number one, examine your motives. Is what you are believing for God's will? That's a big one. Is what you are believing for God's will? It may not be God's will, what you're believing for. So you've got to be able to hear from the Lord as to whether or not it's God's will what you're believing for. Okay? Because if it isn't, you're just beating your head against the wall and you're wasting your time. So look at Proverbs 16, verse 2, and write that Proverbs 16, 2 down in your little paper there. I'll say this right off the get-go. This isn't even in my notes. Sin is a blessing blocker. Okay? You got that? Sin is a blessing blocker, and you cannot fool God. You cannot be out there sinning and think that God doesn't see it. You cannot be out there sinning and think that, well, I'm the special one. doesn't apply to me. God is no respecter of persons. You know? He's a very just God. So if it's sin for you, it's sin for me. If it's sin in the Word, it's sin for all of us. We're no, but no, but none of us are special. Amen. We can't get away with stuff. <laughs> Bottom line. We serve a just God. We don't get away with stuff. Okay, Proverbs 16, verse 2. I'm about to kick that thing over. Okay, I'm in the New Living tonight. I'm, no, I'm not. I'm in the New King James tonight. Proverbs 16, 2 says this. We're talking about motives. All the ways of a man are pure in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs the spirit. See, in our own eyes, a lot of times we think we're right, right? We think everybody else in the world is, you know, wrong and we're right. My father used to, my father was a, was a, was a, a character. He was an army sergeant. You got, you're shaking your head. <laughs> He was something else. I just can't even explain this man. But he had a shirt that said, I'm not opinionated. I'm just right. 
And that was what his, his shirt said. I saw a picture of it when I went out to Rhode Island recently, and I thought, yeah, that's my dad. He, he had an opinion about everything. And he said, you know, I'm not opinionated. I am just right. Well, a lot of times in our own eyes, we think that we are right when we are dead wrong. So we've got to be able to learn as believers how to examine our own motives, examine our own heart, and how to get his will for our lives in line with our will so we can do his will. You understand what I'm saying? Okay, so once again, I'm going to read this verse, Proverbs 16:2. All the ways, it says all, the ways of our man are pure in his own eyes. But the Lord weighs the spirit. Isn't that interesting? So we think we're right, right? We may not necessarily be right. Then another scripture is James 4, 3. Let's see what it says. And I'll be in the New King James all night long here. Okay, James 4, 3 says this. You ask, the subject is what? What to do when faith seems weak and victory lost. Okay, okay James 4.3. You ask and do not receive. Why? Because you ask amiss that you may spend it on your pleasures. Motive. What is your motive? Amen. So you need to spend some time with the Lord and find out, Lord, to this one topic. You know, we're talking about this one topic in your life that, Maybe only you and God know about. What's your motive? You may have to give whatever this thing is you're believing for back to the Lord. I want to try to explain something that I've done recently so that you understand what I did. Okay. I am going, Pastor and I are going to get a bigger house. We need a bigger house, number one, for our family, because when the whole family comes over, I mean, just when part of the, the when the barstow part of the family comes over, it's like we're sitting on top of each other just to eat dinner, okay? When we have guests from out of town, I'm talking about ministry guests out of town, my house is too little to have these guests in my house. Like for the women's forum, what's coming up, you know, in September, I would love to have Judith Harrington stay at my house. My house is too little. I can't do it. So I need a bigger house. So there's this house in town. I'm not going to tell you where it is, but I've loved this house forever and ever and ever and ever. I first saw this house. It's out in the country. It sits way back from the road. I first saw this house in about 2006 when I came out here. And I would drive by it, you know, just on my way to somewhere. And I think, man, that's, a, that's, a, that's the nicest house. Well, in the last couple of years, I began to notice um, the trees are dying around it. I began to notice the door's gone. I began to notice the windows are gone. This house is not for sale. It's not for sale. And, um, you know, I've been praying about this house. And I think about other houses in Barstow, and I don't want any other house in Barstow, you know. So I'm thinking to myself, Lord, what's my motive? You know, I'm examining my heart. This is just something I'm trying to share with you to get a point across to you. 
So I'm trying to examine what is my motive. So I've made several trips over to this place. And um, unfortunately, it has a couple of owners. One owner is willing to sell and the other one isn't. And Nadine is the best real estate lady in the world. So if you need a real estate lady, you know, you, you see Nadine. She's absolutely the real estate lady from heaven. She's awesome. And so she contacted me the other day and she said, well, this one person doesn't want to sell. She says, but don't worry about it. I'll change their mind. <laughs> so I was over at this place one day. You know, I kind of go over there a lot. And um, I pulled a pine cone off one of the trees. And I held that pine cone in my hand. And I said, Lord, this represents this place. The place is a trash pit. I'm just telling you. You know, Donnie's seen it. He knows it's a trash pit. And I told Donnie, I said, you know what, Donnie? I see. I said to Donnie, I said, Donnie, can this place be fixed, number one? If it can be fixed, number two, how much is it going to cost? You know, and Donnie thinks I'm absolutely nuts. But he said it could be fixed, okay? So I pick this pine cone off the tree, and I say, Lord, this represents this place to me. You know, I pick a pine cone off of a dead pine tree, and I put it in the offering bucket. And I said, Lord, I'm giving this back to you. And so whoever took the uh, pine cone out of the offering bucket, you should have left it in there, offering people, usher people. But they took the pine cone out of the offering bucket. And I saw it one day. It was up there with all the rocks. So if you saw the pine cone up there with all the rocks, I gave this place back to the Lord. That pine cone represented that place. And I gave it back to the Lord. And I said, Lord... You know, if this is your will, you know, thank you, Lord, you're going to bring this about. And the thing about this place is it doesn't leave my heart. It's still in my heart. And it doesn't matter to me that this one seller said, I don't want to, one owner says, I don't want to sell. It doesn't bother me one bit. We serve a big God. You know, I'm not worried about it. Because I really believe that that's going to be my house, my pastor's house. It's a huge house, but I need a big house. I need a big house. I need a huge. There, there's a there's a place, room in this house that has a dining that, that it was a dining room. And I said to Donnie and Nadine, I said this 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 dining room in this house is not big enough for my family and for people that come over to my house. I said, and it has kind of two two living rooms, I guess. I said, no, one of the living rooms is going to be my dining room because it's nice and big. You know, and I can fit all kinds of people in this dining room around the table. And, you know, anyway, so I have absolutely love this place. But I had to examine my motives, you know. Lord, do I want this place just because I can say, you know, I have a big house? But if you look at it, you think nobody wants that place. But I want that place. And I told Donnie, me looking at that house, I have a great vision. I can see what that house can be. I mean, I can just see this place restored. And I said, Donnie, it's just like the people that come into this church. They come in here, they're a wreck. They come in here, they're a mess. They come in here, all the doors have been busted out of them. All the windows have been busted out of their lives. There's holes in their walls. All the, all the wiring's been pulled out of their lives. You know, all the copper's been stolen out of their, out of their lives. But I see the possibility in you. And I see the possibility in that house. Hallelujah. So, but 
For me to relate this from me to you so you can understand what I'm talking about, I had to examine my motives. Lord, you know, because it began with pastor didn't want it. He said, I like our house. I said, yeah, our house is nice, but it's too little for people to come over. It's great for pastor and I, but it's just too little, you know. So anyway, so now he's all excited about, you know, getting the house and blah, blah, blah. So anyway, we're working on it. <laughs> so you've got to, I ha- sometimes you have to take whatever it is you're believing for and you have to give it back to Jesus. And you lay it at his feet. And you say, Jesus, I don't know what to do about this. I'm just going to give it back to you for you to be able to mold it and make it. And when you get it the way you want it, you give it back to me. Does this make sense to anybody? Okay. I just wanted to be able to tell you that. Okay, number two is you need to examine your heart. Okay, so we've talked, number one, about your motives. What's your motive and what it is on your number one list that you're believing for? Is it a selfish motive? Is it a, is it a motive that is going to glorify God? But I do want to say this too. God gives us the desires of our heart. You know, he gives us the desires of our heart. And God is so cool that he puts those desires in us. And then we start believing him for these things that are in our heart because God puts these, these, these desires in there. And we think there are desires, but they're his desires that he put in our heart so that he can bring these desires about to pass, to pass. And then we can thank him and say, Lord, thank you for bringing these desires about when they were his desires that he put in there to begin with, just so we could say thank you, Lord. Isn't that cool? But that's the way God does stuff. So the second thing, as I said, is examine your heart. So look at one, Psalms 139. Verses uh, 23 and 24. Psalms 139:23 and 24 says this: "Search me, O God, and know my heart." God can reveal our own heart to us. You know, isn't that cool? Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me, and know my King James says ways. Try me and know my ways and see if there is any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. So what this thing is, when you want to do, when you're trying to figure out what to do when faith seems weak and victory lost in your life for your number one thing on your list is uh, examining your heart, examining your motives, examining your heart. Is this something that God wants for my life? Then look at First John 3. Verses 21 and 22. 1 John 3, 21, 22 says this. Beloved, if your heart does not condemn us, then we have confidence towards God. In other words, if you're going to the Lord with this stuff and you're praying before him and you feel confidence that, yes, this is something God wants for me. It says, if your heart doesn't condemn you, then you have confidence towards the Lord. Does that make sense to you? And then verse uh, 22 says, or 20, where am I? Da, 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 da. 20. Oh, I said 20. Okay, I said, I said 21, but look at 20. Yeah, we said 20. For if your heart condemns us not... Now, wait a minute. Here we are, 21, sorry. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence toward God. And whatever we ask, 
We receive from him because we keep his commandments and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. You know, if you're going around living your way, your life, any old way that you want to live your life, God's not going to bless you. I'm just telling you, you know, it doesn't work that way. So, you know, look at Proverbs 20:27. 20, Proverbs 20:27 20, says this. The spirit of a man is the King James says candle, New King James says lamp. The spirit of a man is the candle of the Lord searching all the inner depths of his heart. Isn't that something? So it's like the Lord has this special light, you know, that he can kind of examine us with, you know. He examines our heart to know which, which, whether things are right motives or not. So we need to examine our heart a lot of time. You know, you need to get real before God. You need to lay it bare before him. Because if you're fighting with God about an issue, it's not going to come about anyway. And maybe not even be his will for your life. I want to give you another example. So when we were in Indiana, you know, we pastored two churches out there. We pioneered them. Well, yeah, we pioneered them, which means that we began them. And it's not like a church plant where somebody gives you 300 people and $300,000 to start. No, we, we pioneered, which means we had nothing, nothing, you know, no people, no money, nothing. We did it ourselves through faith. Anyway, after a few years, things weren't going very well. And, uh, you know, we kept wondering why things weren't turning around. Things were getting worse and worse every week. And just when we think that they wouldn't get any worse, they would get worse. And uh, our kids went through a bad time. Um, and it was just, it was a really bad time in our life. And we're real faithful people. You know, I've told you this before. We'll stay in a place till hell freezes over if we feel like that's where God put us because, you know, we're faithful people and we just stand and we just keep doing what we know to do. And so then uh, one time, I, we, I told you this recently, we met with Dr. Barkley down in Cincinnati. We lived in Martinsville, Indiana, below Indianapolis. So he met us for lunch in, in Cincinnati and we told him, look, this is what's going on in the church here. This is what's going on. And he said, God's not done with you. He's just done with you here. Boy, was that good news to me. I thought, you mean to tell me we are free to leave this place? And, you know, I'll tell you something about that place. The people of that area rejected the word of God. And because they rejected the word of God, God won't put up with that. There's a scripture that says, I wrote Ichabod over the door, which means God has left this place. And it's like the Lord wrote that over that town. God has left this place. And God, but God didn't leave us hopeless and helpless. But we kept, we kept praying, Lord, what, what are we doing wrong? You know, wait, our, our faith, our, um, our faith seemed weak and our victory seemed really, really lost. Because we were going to stay there forever, you know. But when Dr. Barkley said that to us, hey, I went home, I started packing. I had no idea where we were going. But I was going. And we told the people that were in the church, we said, look, you know, the Lord has released us from here. We don't know where we're going. You can keep coming here as long as we're here. 
And then when we knew where we were, we were coming here, we said all those people that were there in a different church. But a lot of people that we had back then still can't find a church like this church. See, this is nothing but joy and living in Faith Victory Family Church that was in Indiana. It's the same church. We're the same pastors. We got the same stuff. Whatever we do here in, you know, Afghanistan, wherever we go, this rises up because this is what God put in us. But they rejected the word that we taught after a while. And so, you know, it was pretty cool. The Lord changed things on my, on my little paper for that area. God changed it. He said, no, I don't want you here anymore. So you don't need to be praying about this anymore. I am taking you and I am moving you over here. So sometimes in your little walk with the Lord, when it seems like your faith is weak and your victory is lost, maybe you're believing for the wrong thing. Maybe it's not what God wants to do with you. And he's trying to get it through to you that, yeah, I'm not done with you, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have you do something a little different. And so, you know, sometimes, you know, that works out. Another thing to examine your, yourself about is how is your love walk? So look at Matthew chapter 5. Matthew 5, um, 43. We'll start off in 43. Matthew 5, 43. Jesus said, You have heard it was said that you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say unto you, Jesus says, Love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you. And pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you that you may be the sons of your Father in heaven. For he makes his, his son rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? They love their own families, you know. And if you greet your brethren only, what do you do more than others? Do not even the tax collectors do so? Therefore, you shall be perfect just as your Father in heaven is perfect. So we need to examine our love walk. Are we bitter against somebody? Are we holding bitterness? Is there this root of bitterness in our hearts? Are we angry? You know, sometimes you think you're going along really, really good until you see so-and-so in the Walmart, and then all this old stuff, you know, comes up. We, you got, we got to get to the point in life where we forgive those who have wronged us. And not wish ill upon them. You know what I'm saying? you got to get to the point where it, no matter how bad somebody hurt you, that you forgive them and you wish the best for them. And a lot of times, you know, uh, the Lord says, pray for your enemies, you know, all that kind of stuff. Well, what do you pray for your enemies? You pray for them to receive Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Because no matter how bad they were to you, you don't want them to go to hell. You know what I'm saying? So you can get to the point in your life where, where if you ask the Lord, Lord, help me forgive these people. Help me to be able to walk in love with these people. 
then God will do that, even though you can't do it of your own self. You know, I could tell you stories all night long. I'll tell you this quick story. One time in Indiana, pastor, before we pastored churches, we were doing door-to-door ministry, and we came to this lady's house, and uh, uh, the Lord told us, when you go to somebody's house, just say, does anybody need prayer here? So we were working in an apartment building in Noblesville, Indiana, and knocked on this lady's door, and we said, hey, we're so-and-so, and we're just here representing Jesus, and does anybody here need prayer? She says, yeah, I do. And she needed prayer for a health issue. And uh, we went to pray for her, and the Holy Ghost gave me a word of knowledge. She says she's holding unforgiveness against somebody. And I thought, so I stopped. We stopped in the middle of our our praying for her healing. And I said, the Lord just showed me that you're holding unforgiveness against somebody. And she said, I am. She said, my daughter-in-law shot and killed my son, and she's in prison, and I'm having, I can't forgive her. I said... Well, you know, God's healing power can't work if you're holding unforgiveness against this person. I said, are you willing in your heart, if Jesus would help you to be able to forgive this woman, are you willing to let Jesus help you? She said, yes. So she couldn't do it in her own self. But if Jesus helped her, she could. And so so that worked out really well. So we prayed for healing and all turned out really well. But. Sometimes of our own self, we say, Lord, there's no way I can forgive this person because of what they did, blah, 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 blah. But no, maybe you can't, but Jesus can. Jesus in you can, and he can teach you how to walk in forgiveness with other people. That doesn't mean you have to be buddy buddies with them. Doesn't mean you have to have dinner with them. Doesn't mean they have to come over to the house. It just means that that hatred and bitterness has gone out of your heart, and you forgive them, and you pray for them. Lord, I pray for them to be able to receive you as their Lord and Savior. I pray to see them in heaven someday, Lord. You know, that's when you know you've got the victory over that area about that. Um, same thing with are you harboring unforgiveness? You know, you need to examine your heart. Now, let's look at Mark 11 really quick. This is the, the faith chapter. <laughs> you know, Mark 11, everybody knows that, in our circles anyway. Mark 11 um Down here in verse 22 is the famous thing. It says, Jesus answered and said to them, Have faith in God, for for assuredly, or truly I say unto you, Whosoever says says to this mountain, Be removed and be thou cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatsoever he says. Therefore I say unto you, Whatsoever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. Great scripture, right? And then he goes on and he says, And whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him that your Father in heaven may also forgive you your trespasses or sins. Now listen to this one. This is a heavy revy. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father in heaven forgive you your sins or your trespasses. That's heavy, isn't it? So whenever you're, you're tempted to not forgive somebody, think, hey, if I'm not going to forgive them, God's not going to forgive me. And you've, and you've clogged up that blessing pipe. Okay. You know, maybe uh, you need to examine yourself and say, well, maybe the problem isn't them. Maybe the problem's you, you know. So examine yourself. Uh, the third thing is what word are you standing on? 
So, like I've told you this before, if you don't have any word on a subject, you you have no faith. You know, I said that to, I said that in here like a Wednesday, couple Wednesday nights ago. I was taking up the offering. Nobody had a scripture except for good old Jose back there, <laughs> and everybody's looking at me like a calf at a new gate. And I'm saying, okay, somebody, you know. What scripture are you standing on when you when you give your tithes and your offerings? What are you standing on for your finances? And you all look at me like. And I'm thinking, well, hey, you know, no word, no faith. I said, you folks don't have any faith for finances. So, you know, does anybody. So little old Jose back there in the drums, he comes out. Well, him and his lovely wife, Heather, and he told you about this. They have this little thing that they go over daily. And they have financial faith scriptures written out, and they read them together, and they release their faith together. And so he knows the word on this stuff. So, you know, that's cool. But you need to have some word to stand on, period. You know, if whatever your, whatever your, your number one thing is on here that you're believing God for, what to do if your faith seems weak. Number one, if you have no word on the subject, you have no faith anyway. So, yeah, you're, you don't even have any faith. It's not just weak. You have zero zilch, not a no faith. So whatever your subject is that you're believing God for, you better have some word on it. I was thinking about, I was thinking about, well, what if somebody needs a job? They have no job. What word do they stand on for that? Well, a person could go to the Lord and say, Lord, your word says, uh, the scripture just went that away. Well, it says one thing. If you don't work, you don't eat. It says that. It also says, if a man doesn't take care of his family, he's worse than an infidel. So, I mean, a person could use those scriptures. They could go to the Lord and they could say, Lord, I'm believing for a job. I'm believing for a good job. Your word says, and I know it's your will for me to have a job, Lord, because your word says that if I don't work, I don't eat. And your word also says that if I don't take care of my family, I'm worse than an infidel. And it's not your will for me to be worse than an infidel. So, Lord, I think, you know, and you could use those scriptures. But there's all kinds of other scriptures that you can use. And you need to start searching and, and getting them for yourself. You can't count on, on a pastor and I to get your scriptures for you all the time. You've got to do it yourself. There's no shortcuts in the kingdom of God. We all have to get it the same way. Okay? God's kingdom is not a welfare state. Okay? You've got to get the same. God's just, you know, you've got to get them just like I got them. What are you believing for? What is your number one thing here? What are the scriptures you're standing on? You've got to have them. No word, no faith. You'll have no faith. What to do when faith seems weak? Like I said, you'll have zero faith. You'll have no faith. You won't even have weak faith. You'll have zero faith. And victory lost, you already lost. Because you have no faith for what you're believing in because you have no word. Well, you say, well, Mrs. Pastor, what? I don't know how to get word on what I'm believing for, you know. Okay, well, let's just say it's a healing issue. Oh, the word is full of healing. You can start in Matthew. And every time it uh, talks about healing, you underline it or you highlight it, whatever. Go through the whole New Testament. Then start in the Old Testament. It's all over the Bible, you know. And then you can't tell me, I don't have any faith for this. If I ask you, what are you standing on for your healing? And you mumble me some half scripture. Now, you need to have some word. What about your finances? You know, what are you going to do? Well, oh, I don't know. I just throw it in the bucket, you know. And meh. Well, if you're a tither, 
you can take it up there and say, Father, I thank you that your word says that you rebuke the devourer for my sake. You said, bring all the tithe into the storehouse, that there may be meat in my house. And Lord, I'm obeying to you, obeying you. And Lord, I thank you, Lord, that I'm doing this so there'll be meat in your house. Father, you said you'd rebuke the devourer for my sake. Who's the devourer? Satan. God Almighty will rebuke the devourer for tithers. You can take that to the bank or take it to anywhere you need to take it. So, you know, you need to get some of this stuff down there. What is it? What if it's a... Uh, you know, like I already told you about, I gave you a couple of scriptures about unforgiveness and loving people. You know, I mean, there's a couple right there you can use. But you need to dig in the word and get these for yourself. What about raising children? Oh, my gosh. There's all kinds of stuff in the word about raising children. If you look, you know, if you want to, uh, I'll give you a clue. This modern device called Google Search. It used to take me a long time to find scriptures. Because sometimes I would know part of a scripture, and I'd have to get out the big Strong's Concordance, you know. Big Bible, carry it in the other room, put it down, look up the thing, you know, trying to find, look in the tiny little six-point print, trying to find the word and the word is and what it means, you know, all that kind of stuff. You don't have to do that anymore. You get out your Google thing and you say, where is there a scripture on marriage? Where is there a scripture on raising children? Where, what are the scriptures on? And all of a sudden, this, this whole thing comes flying up before you. So that's a nice, that's a new way about modern convenience. You can get some scriptures, and you can write them down, and you can look them up, and then you can see which ones jump off at your heart. Which ones give you life? Which ones can you stand on? Which one can you write in your little form here? Lord, this is what I'm standing on. This is what's going to give me faith. So, see, you've got to have something that's real to your heart from the Word, so you need to be able to do that. Okay, look up uh, Hebrews 11. Yes. Hebrews 11. This is the great faith chapter. Hebrews 11, verses starting in verses 6 to 8, says this. Oh, boy. But without faith, it is impossible to please Him. Whoa. So you want to be a pleaser to the Lord? Do you want God to be pleased with you? You better get yourself some faith. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. You need to get yourself some word on your subject. But without faith, it is, say, impossible to please who? To please God. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him diligently seek him not like pastor dave said this morning you whip your little phone out and you say well this is the high desert word center verse for the day yeah got it lord and out the door you go you know that's not (laughs) you know those are nice yeah but there's more to it than that so we want to have some faith so that we can please god look at uh james 1 hebrews james next chapter james 1 This is talking about, you know, still talking about what word are you standing on in faith. Verse 6 says, let him ask in faith. If you're, if you're going to the Lord for something, let him ask in faith. Like I said, you have no faith if you have no word on it. So let him ask in faith. Go to the Lord with the word that you have. 
You know, the, the, back in Isaiah, it talks about how the, how the word is a reflection. It talks about how the word comes down from heaven and goes back up to heaven and reaches his nostrils and reaches him because he loves to hear his word spoken back up to him. Let him ask in faith without doubting. You know, if God says it's yours, if God says you can have it, you can have it. That means you. Say, this means me. Because he loves you. Amen? He loves you. You can't say, well, this works for sister so-and-so over there, but it, man, it's not working for me. But you can't be doubting. You have to ask in faith, number one, do not doubt. Then it says, for he who doubts is like the wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. One minute they're believing, one minute they're not. One minute they're joyful about it, one minute they're in the pits. One minute they're this way, one minute they're that. They're just schizophrenic. Schizophrenic believers just in and out and in and out and in and out. God doesn't like that. So this says, verse 7, for let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. You're going to get zero, not a zilch nothing without that faith he is a double-minded man and unstable in all of his ways so you know we need to get that word in us and be able to stand on us stand on that word if all you are doing is bawling and squalling and griping and complaining to god don't respect to receive anything you don't go to the god to the lord day in and day out with your problem he didn't want to hear hear it the first time you know what i'm saying he heard it the first time. So you can go to him the second day and say, Lord, I thank you, Lord, that you heard. You know, you heard my, my petition, whatever it is to you, Lord. You know what's on my heart. Thank you, Lord, you heard that. Thank you, Lord, that this is the word that I found on that. Thank you, Lord, I'm just speaking this back to you, Lord. I thank you for it, Father. You don't go to him every day bawling and squalling about the same old, same old. You don't like it when your kids come to you griping and complaining and bawling and squalling, do you? I mean, my gosh. Well, God the Father, he's our Father. He's the same way. We don't need to be bawling and squalling and griping and complaining. Let's just get, 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 let's get before him. Let's get, this is Lord, this is my problem. Lord, I need an answer to this problem. You know, help me out here, Lord. And then you start thanking him. Father, I just praise you, you know. I just praise you for it, Father. And that, that'll help you out as well. Number four, is he your Savior and your Lord, or is he just your Savior? You know, both Pastor and Pastor Dave taught on this lately. You know, you need to examine your, 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 your own heart for this. Jesus already surrendered his all for you. Have you surrendered your all for him? And only you can answer that question. You know, are you holding back part of your life? You know, do you have this secret closet in your heart? Lord, you can have all of me, but you're not having this part. You know, that means he, that means he's not your Lord. If he, if he isn't Lord of all, he isn't Lord at all. I'll say that again. If he isn't Lord of all, he isn't Lord at all. Okay? So you got to put everything at the feet of Jesus and just do it his way. Number five. Does what you are believing for concern other people too? Remember, everyone has their own will when you are dealing with people and their will, and it can take longer. I'm talking about salvations. You're believing for, you know, your dad, your mom, somebody to get born again, you know. Man alive, and they are really tough. 
You know, they're a hard case. Don't talk to me about that stuff. You know, I don't want to hear that stuff or whatever it is. So these people have their own will. So a lot of times, you know, it take it may take a long, long time for some people to receive Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior, maybe even on their deathbed. You know, maybe. Maybe on their deathbed. But you know what? Better late than never. Because that means a lot, you know, eternity's just beginning. As soon as they take that last breath, eternity's just beginning. And I, I firmly believe that the Lord deals with people. You know, He will deal with them just because we stopped and we prayed. You know, Acts 16:31 says He'll save me and save my house. And I always tell you this: it just takes one person in a family to get born again, and God will use that one person because that one person will begin to pray for their family. And then you'll witness that family one by one by one by one. They get born again. We've got this guy in our family. Man, alive. He was a stinker for a lot of years. And something bad happened in his life recently. And you know what? He started going to church. And this guy's life has completely changed. He's, I don't know how old he is, 50-ish, give or take. You know? But isn't that wonderful? I mean, it's one bad that something bad happened in his life, but it's wonderful that finally, after pastor praying for 30, 40 years, you know, the guy finally comes about. You know what I'm saying? So you can't give up on that, but it takes some time. Sometimes it takes a while. Number six is patience. Uh, flip back. We're in James. So look at James one verse four. It says, "But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be." Perfect, and King James says entire. This says complete, lacking nothing. So sometimes things take patience, especially if you're dealing with other people. Amen, because they do have their own will. Look at Hebrews uh, 6.12. Right before James, Hebrews says that you do not become sluggish, but imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. And see, that's what you're working for. You know, your faith has seemed weak. The victory seems lost. But you want to inherit the promise, right? You want to receive whatever it is that, that you're believing God for. So sometimes it takes faith. It takes patience. Sometimes, uh, you know, if you've got children that are wayward or something like that, you know, man, Sometimes you start praying for them, and it just seems like they go from bad to worse, you know. But you know what? You don't ever get moved by what you see because what you see is temporal and subject to change. I think I got that on the last page here. That's in Second Corinthians 4.18. What you see with your natural eyes is temporary and subject to change because if you've got your faith on something, it will change. It's just temporary. If you're dealing like with a, with a child, it could be a grown child, anything. And, you know, when they're out there in la-la land, maybe they're in prison, maybe they're all strung out, whatever. Don't give up. You know, keep praying for them. Thank the Lord. You know, thank the Lord that he's sending people across their path, you know, and, and all that kind of stuff. And it will change. I promise you that it will. And then I want to close with uh, Hebrews chapter 10, which is my favorite, 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 favorite <laughs> passage in the whole Bible. Let's see. I'm going to read it out of this New King James. Usually I read it out of the Amplified. Let's see. says this. Therefore, do not cast away your confidence, 
King James says, don't fling away your confidence. Don't throw it away. Don't cast away your confidence, which has great reward. For you have need of endurance, King James says patience, so that after you have done the will of God, you might receive the promise. For yet a little while, and he who is coming will come and not tarry. Now the just shall live by what? Where do you get faith? From the word. Okay. But if anyone draws back, gives up, quits, my soul, the Lord, has no pleasure in him. But we are not of those who draw back to perdition, but we are of those who believe to the saving of the soul. So bottom line is don't quit. Persevere. Find out. Examine your motives. Examine your heart. Examine your love walk. Examine who you have forgiven or haven't forgiven. Um, what word are you standing on? You know, ascertain whether or not Jesus is really your Lord or is he just your Savior, you know. And if there's other people involved, if you're believing for loved ones, what, you know, there. There's the scriptures on, on patience. And then in, in one, like one of the last pages in this little booklet I gave you, it says, in consideration of the above, what is my prayer? You know, after you've examined the whole thing above, then you rewrite, you write yourself out a prayer. You find out what that prayer is going to be. And then uh, back pages, further notes and further scriptures. You may get on a real roll with this thing and get a whole lot of verses that will really bless you. And then at the bottom it says, I will give thanks with a grateful heart. I will thank him for what he is doing, even if I can't see it yet. Because you've got to know that God is working. You know, if you're if you're believing for a loved one, you're not with them 24 hours a day. You don't see the people that are crossing their paths. You thank him that he's working on the case. Amen. So did this help anybody tonight? Okay. Hallelujah. Okay. Well, let's stand up. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit hdwc.org. 